Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So we are continuing in a series today, uh, the, the better series we started a couple weeks ago. And essentially, what this series is doing is looking at a few Bible verses where the word better is used. Because how many of you all would like to have a better year this year than you had last year? Uh, only me, only a few of us in here. The rest of you guys are happy and, and just okay with the year you had last year. And you can just reproduce that and be good. Stocks are up. Everybody's good, huh? Okay, awesome. Some of you are just nonconformist. I ain't playing. I ain't putting my hand up. Not doing it. I don't do it. Every Sunday I'm here, I don't do it. That's all right. Well, that's all right. So what we're doing is looking at these verses because we believe that there is a better way for us to be living, and that, of course, is living God's way, doing it his way. And so we've been taking a look at these verses, and what, we've, what I've challenged you to do is to begin memorizing the verses. So we said that if you want to have something that is better, you're going to have to let go of some things that have been good in your life, Right? Let go of the good to get a hold of the better. And you say, well, I've never memorized scripture before. That's okay. You can start now with us today. So we've been looking at these verses. And the first week we looked at better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather spend one day or spend a day as, as, I'd rather be a butler in the house of my Lord. See, I even have trouble memorizing it. I'd rather be a butler in the house of my Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So we looked at, what does it look like to spend a day with God? And then the second week, we talked about better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and a chasing after the wind. Basically looking at how we have margin in our lives. It's better to have less of what's not important and more of what is important. And this week, we're going to continue on with that. I'll give you the verse in just a second. But, but just by a show of hands, how many of you have an important decision that you need to make in your life right now? Just show me. Hands, important decisions that you need to make in your life. Yeah, some of you, some of the decisions you need to make, that you're like students, right, and you're just getting out of school. My kids just got out of school on Thursday, and they're not considering this, but some of you may be. What college am I going to go to in the fall? Or, or, or maybe if you're in college and you just graduated, you're considering, all right, should I go on and get my master's degree, or should I go on and find a job? Or maybe, maybe you're dating somebody right now, and you're consi- or you're just considering dating somebody, and you're like, all right. Should I date them? Should I not? Should I take this dating level or this dating relationship to a whole new level? Or, you know, should I marry them? If I get married, when should I marry them? Where should we get married? And then all the questions that come along with getting married. Or maybe it's not, it's not a relationship at all. Maybe it's you're looking to buy a house. Should you rent the house? Should you buy the house? Should you, if you're married, should you have kids now or should you have kids later? Or if you've got kids now, should you trade them in for new kids? Because, well, you know. Should you pay off the car or should you pay off the credit card? Should you, should, should, should you stay at home and raise the kids or should you go to work and help pay down the debt? <coughs> should you get a pet? And if you get a pet, should you get a dog or should you get a dog? I mean, it's like, you know, we're not really sure what we should do. So today, the overarching theme that, that I really want to talk about is that we make, if you're taking notes, we make our decisions and our decisions make us. Now, if you've never taken notes before... Remember, we're going to have to give up the good because the good is just hanging out here. 
and do something we've never done before in order to have better, so maybe you should consider taking notes. But here's what you, if you're taking notes, we make our decisions and our decisions make us. Basically, who you are today is a result of all the decisions that you made yesterday. Who you'll be tomorrow is a summary of all the decisions that you will make today. So it's true that who, we make our decisions and our decisions make us. So what we're going to talk about today is a better way to make decisions in order to honor God. Now, the perfect story for this, of course, is the story of Solomon. He was uh, appointed king after King David died. Yes, the same David who killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. He was appointed king. He was David's son. And when a king was anointed, one of the, one of the, the, the customary things to do was to kill and sacrifice a bull. So Solomon, of course, is going to do this, but Solomon decides not to sacrifice one, two, 10, 20, 100 bulls. He decides to sacrifice 1,000 bulls in an effort to honor God, to display, hey, look, I, I just want to honor you in a major way that nobody else has ever honored you. Now, we're not sure if it was the, the amount of sacrifice that he made. We're not sure if it was because he was King David's son, and we know how God felt about David. He was a man after his own heart. We're not sure what caused God to do this, but later that night, he appears to Solomon in a dream. And he says to Solomon, look, I'll give you anything that you want. Just ask me for it. Just ask me for it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read, read my Bible, I need to read my Bible. I kind of interject myself there and remove Solomon and put myself in that situation. And I'd ask you to do the same. Like, what would you ask for if God said, hey, you can have anything that you want? Now, some of you are a little bit, a, a, a little bit uh, you're, you're smarter than most, and you'd say, well, I'd ask for more wishes. Duh. Like, you know, just give me unlimited wishes, right? Others of you, you'd say, show me the money, God. I want to see the money. Others of you would ask for fame. Others of you might ask for power. You might ask for a new car. You might, who knows? There's, there's so many different things that you could ask for. Maybe if you're not married, you want a godly husband, or maybe, maybe you're looking for a smoking hot wife who can cook and knows how to pray, right? Like, I'm not sure what you're looking for, but you, you'd ask him for all of these different things. Maybe, maybe you, you'd, uh, if you're married and can't have kids, you'd say, Lord, give us a child. Or maybe if you, you're sick or have a, a disease like cancer, or maybe you are a friend or a family member has cancer, and you would ask God, here's my wish, that you would heal them. What would you ask for if God said, I'll give you anything you ask me for right here in this moment? What would you ask for? And Solomon, Solomon answers this in an incredible way. God appears to him and says, I'll give you anything. And in 2 Chronicles 1.10, Solomon says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. He could have asked for anything at all. He could have asked for ladies. He could have asked for power. He could have asked for peace on all sides as a king. That's something to be desired. He could have asked for wealth and fame. He could have asked for all of these things. And what he asked for was wisdom. And if you know Solomon's story, you know that Solomon eventually wrote more on wisdom than anybody else ever throughout the whole Bible and all through history. In fact, he was considered to be the wisest man. In God's response, he says, I will give you wisdom and there'll be none like you. There'll be none like you ever again. So Solomon wrote, of course, most of the book of Proverbs and then Ecclesiastes. He wrote these books on wisdom. 
But he didn't ask for the wealth, the riches, the honor, the long life, or the death of his enemies. God says, I'll give you wisdom. He's so pleased with him, and he says, because you ask for wisdom and not all this stuff, I'm going to give you wisdom plus all the stuff you didn't ask for. Isn't that amazing? So Solomon, in considering wisdom, he said, wisdom is better than weapons. This is how strongly he felt about it, because during that time, the king and the army that had the greatest weapons had the most power. And he said, wisdom is better than that kind of power. He also said, wisdom is better than strength. So here's our memory verse for today. I'm going to say it a couple times for you, and then we're going to put it on the screen. We're all going to say it together, and then we're going to take it off the screen and try to say it together without it up on the screen, okay? So if you're taking notes, you can do it. You can write a little cheater card for yourself, but the verse says, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. All right, everybody with me now. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. One more time, and then we're going to do it without it on the screen, okay? How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. Okay, take it off the screen for me. All right. How much better to get wisdom rather than gold, to choose understanding yeah, good job, guys. Good job. See, you didn't know it was so easy to memorize a verse, did you? It's, it's better. It's better. We want to have God's word in our heart. And so the big deal is, why Solomon's saying that, the big deal is that he labels gold as better, or wisdom as better than gold. Because see, gold was the most sought-after currency. It represented power. It represented prestige. It represented a lot of things for the people. And everybody wanted gold. And if you had gold, you had it in your pockets for currency, and then you took gold and you overlaid everything in your house and all your items with gold. The more gold you had, the more wealthy you were, the more powerful you were. And then, of course, he says, he says wisdom is better than that. And then he puts his finger on the second, the second most desired commodity, and that is silver. Silver is what everybody else who couldn't get the gold wanted. He said, choose understanding rather than silver. He said, this is more desirable than any of that. When I was a kid and I read that, man, Solomon really impacted me like in a big way. Like because I read this guy, here's this guy who is a king, and when you read all the stuff that David, his father, had prepared for him, there was tons of gold, there was tons of money, there was tons of stuff, and he could have been greedy and asked for more, but he didn't, he just asked for wisdom. As a kid, man, that really impacted me, and I felt like, dude, this is how I ought to be praying. And so from a young age, reading my Bible, I started asking God, would you please just give me wisdom? Would you give me wisdom instead of all this stuff? Would you give me wisdom? Would you give me guidance? Would you teach me how to follow you? Above all, of course, I pray to God for lots of different things, but above all, my request on a constant basis is give me wisdom. Give me wisdom like Solomon had. Give me that. I discovered that reading through the Proverbs, the books that Solomon wrote, that there are 31 chapters in that book. And how many days are there in a month? Typically, 31. That means that you can read a chapter of Proverbs every day for an entire month. Just add it on to whatever else you're already reading in your Bible. And gain wisdom. You can read the wisdom that he wrote down for us. And so I started doing that. I read that. It's in the front of my journal. Here's your regular reading, and then read Proverbs on top of it. It's written there for me. And you don't ever have to remember what chapter you're on. If you miss a day, what's today? 
29th. What book am I reading? Or what chapter am I reading? The 29th, right? I know where I'm at. I never have to put in a bookmark or anything. So you know where you're at. And so Solomon impacted me a bit in a, in a really, really big way. In fact, three years ago when I launched this church, the, the thing that I asked for most was wisdom. God, give me wisdom. I don't know what I'm doing. In fact, the, Tim Toole, our Connect pastor here, he said, Aaron, you know why I like you? Because you have no idea what you're doing. I was like, that's right, I don't. I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I have no idea what I'm doing. If you ever text me and ask me, hey, how can I pray for you? The canned response that I have in my heart because of how Solomon impacted me is wisdom and guidance. And of course, I may pray for some other needs, but I always include that, wisdom and guidance. Give me wisdom and guidance. Give me understanding. Why? Because it's better than gold. It's better than silver. It's better than all the stuff that you could ask for in your life. We need wisdom above all else. Because all the stuff we can get in life, we will misuse, abuse, and squander without wisdom. You get a lot of money. You know why people who win the lottery, they win, they win lots and lots of money. And they were broke when they won, and guess what? A few months later, they broke again. Why? Because they lacked wisdom. They didn't know how to handle money in the first place. They're probably in a worse state than they were when, before they even won the money because they lacked wisdom. We have to have wisdom first or our relationships will be a mess. Our lives will be a mess. Wisdom is better because if you get wisdom, you may get all that stuff and then you'll know what to do with it so that you can make a greater impact for the kingdom of God in this world. Man, <laughs> So ask anyone, what would you do different in your life? Well, what do most people say? Well, if I knew then what I know now, I'd have done this differently. Well, what if you could start knowing now what you needed to know? What if you could change today and start pursuing wisdom, asking God for wisdom, so that what happens? We make choices today and our tomorrow looks different. Get wisdom now. It's better than anything else that you are pursuing in your life. It is better. Changes everything when you get wisdom. Think about it. Some of you, your marriages are in a hot mess right now. You don't know what to do. What do you need? You don't need a marriage counselor. Now, no, don't get me wrong. Go marriage counseling. I'm just saying. What do you need most? Because the marriage counselor is going to tell you what to do, and then you're going to walk out of there, and without wisdom, you're going to act like a fool and not do what they told you to do. You need wisdom. You need wisdom. Your finances are upside down. You don't know what to do. What do you need? You need financial wisdom. You got teenagers. Oh, dear God, do you need wisdom? I am learning. You need wisdom. Solomon says this about wisdom in Proverbs 4, 7. He says, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. You ever gone to, to a pizza shop? How many of you guys like pizza? I'm going to turn to the side and show you how much I like pizza. <laughs> Love pizza. You go to the pizza shop and you see Supreme Pizza, you don't have to ask what's on it because what's on a Supreme Pizza? Everything. everything. Everything's on a Supreme Pizza. It is the best. It's got everything. Wisdom is supreme because it has It has everything. It has everything that you want. It's everything that you need in order to live this life. It's got it. 
If you want to glorify God and make an impact in this world, you need to get wisdom. Here's what I love about this verse. Wisdom is not something that, that you're not going to be able to find. He says, get it, which means it's attainable. Every single one of you, even if you've lived your life as a fool, chasing after, after the world's ways of doing things, you can get wisdom. He says, get it. Get it. It's attainable. It's more valuable than anything this world has to offer. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. So we need to get it. As you look through Solomon's teaching all throughout it, you'll find that he always, whenever he's talking about the wise man, he always contrasts it with the fool. So if you're unsure of what that looks like, let me, let me just show you, tell you a little bit about a fool. See, most of the time fools don't realize they're foolish. They don't realize that they're doing things the wrong way, right? And what, what am I considering foolish, foolishness? Well, I, I would consider any worldly wisdom, the wisdom this world has to offer as foolishness, okay? So now does that change your scope a little bit? We're, we're doing what our parents did. We're doing what our friends have done. We're doing what we see the couples on TV doing. We're doing what culture does. We're doing what the world does, not asking God for the wisdom from his heart. That's what makes us fools is when we do what everybody else is doing instead of following after God's, uh, God's wisdom. I know you think that's harsh. You say, Aaron, did you just call me a fool? Yeah, I'm a fool too. It's cool. You say, yeah, I've never been a fool in my life. You want to push back a little bit. How many of y'all grew up in the 80s? Let me see some hands. Come on. Yeah, you can be real. All right. Y'all remember the big hair of the 80s? Y'all remember parachute pants? And we thought we were cool? Fools. All of us. We were fools. I had these pants. They were called Zubaz pants. Anybody remember Zubaz pants? My brother's sitting over there shaking his head. You know why he remembers them? Because I had a pair, and they were purple and black, and they were funky designs. You can still find Zubaz pants today, Z-U-B-A-Z, online. They're still selling them, and they still look just as cool as they did then. But what the Zubaz had was, instead of a belt, they kind of had an elastic waist, but they had this little thing. You pull them, and they were Velcro tabs, and there was Velcro right here. You pull them, and, they didn't, and, you just, and that's how you buckled them up. And it was great. It made this little pleat right here because everybody wanted the pleats in their pants, right? I was cool, man, wearing my purple pants. And so one day I was at school, and my brother came up behind me and just gave a little tug on the back of that pants. And the Velcro went pop like that, and my pants fell down. Fool right here. Fool. I felt foolish. But, like, look at it as a culture. Look at our current culture. We celebrate foolishness, don't we? Look at the reality TV that we're watching on a regular basis. I, I just want to full-on facepalm watching, like, reality TV. Like, oh, my God, did they just say that? Am I really watching this and applauding this? Are we really celebrating this person? What are they famous for? Nothing. They're famous for being foolish. They're famous for sex tapes and degrading their bodies and, and putting on display the debauchery of their relationships. We celebrate fools. We watch shows by Johnny Knoxville, which are really hilarious, by the way, and I'm not saying the name of the show, but you know which one I'm talking about, where they're racking each other and jumping off, of, just doing all kinds of stupid stuff. We celebrate foolishness. We, we celebrate this stuff. Don't be a fool. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Some of you are still on the fence about whether, you're not a, whether you've been a fool or acted foolishly. Let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever acted before you think? Shoot your hands up. Some of you just did it right then. I don't even know what he just said. He just told me to put my hand in the air. I didn't even think about it. He just, I just did it. If you've ever acted before you think, 
How many of you have, have ever spent all the money that you've earned? Come on, there's more than you than that, yeah. All the money you've earned, just spend it right up. How many of you have ever done something to hurt someone in your family? I'm on two hands, that one. How many of you are slow to ask for help or get advice? Yeah. If we've done any of these things, the Bible says that we are fools. We are fools. We don't even know it, but we are fools. Let me give you a few character traits of a fool. A fool acts before they think. Proverbs 13, 16 says, Why wise people think before they act, but fools don't, and even brag about their foolishness. They don't think before they act. I've been there. A few years ago, I had a friend of ours. I can't even remember who it was, and I'm not even sure we're still friends. <laughs> but she was pregnant. And I knew she was pregnant because she told everybody she was pregnant, right? But she was really like, I want to say great with child. And if you don't know me, you don't know that I have twin boys. And so when the boys were in their mother's womb, her stomach was really, really big. I mean, she had two babies in there. And I'm looking at this girl, and I'm like, and I'm thinking something in my head that I shouldn't say, but you know how fools are. Guys, we just say things before we think, right? And I just opened my mouth, and I wish I hadn't to. I said, are you sure you don't have twins in there? <laughs> Every woman in the room just did this. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, I did. And she looked at me and was so offended. That's why I'm sure, not sure if we're even still friends today. But. And look, here I am standing in front of you bragging about it. You know what I'm saying? That's what fools do. We do things without thinking, and then we brag about it. Fools also spend all they earn. Proverbs 21.20, In the house of the wise are stores a choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours, devours all he has. You say, well, I spend my money because everybody else is spending their money. I have to keep up with the Joneses. I have to keep up with what they're doing. I've got to get the newest phone. I've got to get the newest clothes. I've got to do all this stuff to impress people that I don't care about and spend every last dime of my money because that's what my parents did. That's what their parents did before them. That's what so-and-so does. Everybody spends every dime that they earn, so why shouldn't I? Foolish. Foolish. So fools hurt those that they love, Proverbs 14, 1. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. So what does the foolish woman do? She, she belittles her family. She tears them down with her words. She nags. She controls. What does he do? He's domineering. He's angry. He's foolish. Tearing down our own homes instead of building them up. And I'm talking about your family members, not your actual house. And the fourth quality of a fool is that fools think they know it all. Proverbs 12, 15 says, Fools think, they're, think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. The wise listen to others. We need to seek counsel. We need to find out how we ought to be going about our business, especially when we don't know. How much better to get wisdom than to get gold and choose wisdom? Get understanding because it is supreme. Seek it. Chase after it. Pursue it all of your life. You can make a greater impact in this world for the kingdom of God when you live a life that is based on the wisdom from the heart of God. Wisdom will change the very trajectory of your life. Make decisions today to pursue wisdom, and your tomorrow will look different because what we decide today changes the outcome tomorrow. So how do you get wisdom? Glad you asked. 
There's three simple ways to get wisdom. And the Bible makes it so plain it's not even funny. Because for a foolish guy like me, I need it to be simple. I need it to be. That's why my church is named Simple Church. I need it to be simple. I do. The first way you get wisdom is to fear God. Proverbs 9.10, Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that you need to walk around and be afraid that God's going to hit you with a lightning bolt if you mess up? No, 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 that's, that's not what that means. What it means is more of a reverential fear. The fear that we understand that he is holy, he is pure, he is righteous. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere. It's this, this awe of God. The Bible says, bears out records of men that stood in God's presence, either through visions or were given a glimpse of his presence. And do you know what happened to them? They fell straight on their faces and declared, I am undone. I'm undone. I'm a sinful person because they spent a moment in the presence of God because they experienced the pure majesty that is being with him. And if you and I were to experience that today, we would be on the ground. He is a God to be feared because of who he is. And yet I think in our culture today, we have this casual relationship with God. Well, I'll be able to do this because I know God will forgive me. And we just kind of have this attitude about him that's like laissez-faire, like whatever. I'm here some Sundays. I check in on this. You know, I talk to God every now and then. I mean, I tell him thanks, good night, you know. Just this casual relationship with God. And yet we're missing that awe, that fear of him. The Bible says that the angels who stand in his presence say holy, holy, holy. And for years, I remember going to church and they go, holy, 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 holy is a... All right, my timing's all off and my singing's all off. It doesn't matter. They say the angels sing like this. They say holy, holy, holy. But I gotta be real honest with you. I think the angels that are in God's presence are more like, holy! And they can't finish that because they're in God's presence. You know what I mean? Holy! holy, you know what I'm saying? Because God is to be feared. He is awesome in power and splendor and glory. Man. We learn to fear him the way we ought. We begin to make decisions that will seek to please him. So fearing God is the beginning of getting wisdom. The second thing you can do to get wisdom is just ask God for it. Couldn't be any easier. If you go to the book of James, I love the book of James. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. In other words, when you come to him and say, look, I don't know what to do, he's not going to go, you fool, sucker. What's wrong with you? He's not going to find fault with you. He's going to give it to you freely because you come to him and ask. It says, it will be given to him. All you've got to do is ask. It's that simple. It's, isn't it so simple? Fear him. Ask him for it. God's like Oprah up in here. You get wisdom, and you get wisdom, and you get wisdom. Everybody gets wisdom. You just got to ask. It's that simple, isn't it? It's crazy. We have to ask God for wisdom in everything that we deal with. On our job, boss is being difficult. Lord, I need wisdom. Making a business decision today. Lord, I need wisdom. You're sitting with a friend who is broken and hurting. They've just lost someone. I don't know what to do. Lord, give me wisdom. 
Your relationship's in a mess. God, give me wisdom. My kid's having some struggles. God, give me wisdom. We talked about this in in the message on better is one day with God, about having these constant, ongoing conversations with him throughout the day. It can be all about wisdom. Seek his wisdom in all things and everything that you do. Seek him first. Seek him first. God, what would you have me do? What should I be doing? Give me wisdom. Mm. Parenting. Being a better spouse. Your problems, your finances, all of it. Ask him for wisdom. Fear God. Ask him for wisdom. The last thing you can do, hang out with wise people. Hang out with wise people. In a few months, we're going to spend some time on this in a series. I've got a whole series laid out because I feel like this is an important subject to cover. Who you hang with is important. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. I had a teacher in high school, he'd say, show me who your friends are, and I'll show you who you are. You ever heard the phrase, surely you've heard this one, birds of a feather flock together? Right? You are who you hang out with on a regular basis. So who are you hanging out with? Are you hanging out with fools? Are you hanging out with wise people? If you want to be wise, you need to hang out with those people who are wise. And look, I'll be really honest with you. From personal experience, let me tell you this. It may cost you something to hang out with a wise person. It may cost you something. You may have to buy them dinner because you don't know them at all. And you say, you know what? I just admire the way you're handling this part of your life. It doesn't mean they have to be wise in every area of their life. Find somebody who's got wisdom in an area that you want to grow in. I admire how you're handling this in your life. I would love to take you to dinner and ask you some questions. Get wisdom. Pursue it. It is readily available for you. Maybe you have to take them to coffee. I like coffee. Take somebody to coffee. Maybe you need to invest into their life in some way. Maybe you need to serve them. Maybe if they've got a ministry or if they've got a business, you ask them, can I come intern from you? I don't need to be paid. Maybe it's going to cost you something. Though it costs you everything, get understanding. That's what Solomon said. (coughs) There's a guy in my life right now, his name's Gary Fowler. He came here and preached September last year. He's a wise man, very wise. There's so many admirable qualities about this guy that I love. Gary's a busy guy, though. Well, I know that Gary's been taking these little trips all over Ohio, kind of out to do what they call area meetings, where he's meeting with other pastors in our network. And I reached out to him and I said, bro, when you go out and you head out on those little trips, I would love to just sit in the car with you. He said, what, do you need to meet somebody up in those areas? I said, nope, it's all about time with you. Two and a half hour drive up, and I'll sit there and watch him do his thing. Two and a half hour drive back. Guess who gets that time with Gary? This guy right here. It may cost you something. You want to be wise? Hang out with those that are wise. Spend time with them. You say, I don't have anybody that's like that in my life. Now, I'm not telling you, first of all, to abandon your friends. I'm just saying, find wise people to start hanging out with, okay? Just to be clear. But if you look around your world and you say, I don't know anybody that's wise in the area that I need to grow in, fine, get books. Say, well, I don't read. Oh, remember, you gotta let go of something good that might be for something that might be better. You might have to start reading. Get podcasts, listen to podcasts. Something on parenting, there's tons and tons of resources, free ones, available for you to start listening to. 
You can have these people mentor you from afar, people that you can start spending time with because they've been good enough to write down their thoughts and share their wisdom in books or put them on podcasts. You can get wisdom. You can get understanding. Make your decisions and let your decisions make you. You know, before I started this church, I was working in an oral surgery practice. And I came into that place, and he was just one, one location. By the time I left there, he was three locations strong and working on his fourth. Say, Aaron, what do you want, a pat on the back? No, I just want to tell you that I was working hard for this guy. We were, we were growing the business. I had benefits, bonuses, secure job security. But when the time came and God put his hand on my life, from the moment my pastor said to me, Aaron, have you ever thought about being a pastor? From that moment on, everything changed. Everything that I was doing in my life, though I was finding success in my career, everything changed. My job became like gravel in my mouth. You ever had gravel in your mouth before? It's not really nice. The whole time. It's disgusting. So I was so dissatisfied with my job. The plan was to be a campus pastor. I said, yes, you know, I'll be, a, I'll be a campus pastor. They had a church they were opening in Baltimore, and they asked me, would I, would I be the guy there? My pastor did. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do that. I didn't know how to do that, so I started asking questions. I got the education done and went through all the interviews, and everything was green light. In January of 2012, I quit my job. My wife and I prayed about it, and I said, I don't know what to do. I just feel like I feel like that I need to just be done with this and let God take over. And we prayed and we both had peace. And with tears in my eyes, I wrote my two-week resignation and I took it in, into, into my boss. We both prayed for wisdom that night. God, give us wisdom. And I took that letter into my boss and I handed it to him and he started crying. He said, you can't leave me. You can't leave me. He said, give me six months. So I just handed you a two-week notice. Six months is kind of like a big number there. Can we meet in the middle somewhere? He said, give me six months. I'll keep your salary where it's at. I'll let you come and go as you need to so that you can work on planting your church and doing whatever you need to do. I'll give you every Thursday off. And I'll take all your responsibilities and put them on the new, on the new office manager. I just need you to be here. Wait, so basically you just want me to show up but not really do much of anything, and you're gonna pay me what I've been making for the next six months while I work on planting my church? See, that's godly wisdom. It doesn't make sense. The world will tell you you don't turn in your two-week notice until you've got another job secured, right? You don't do that with no promise of income. I quit my job, and God blessed us. And for the next six months, I was able to come and go as I needed to because God gave me wisdom. And he blessed us. That same kind of wisdom is available to you today. But I gotta be real honest with you. I said yes to being a campus pastor. Well, at the end of that six months, I sat down with my pastor and he said, hey, we kind of changed the plans. We're not gonna do this campus site anymore. That means you don't have a job. Dear Lord, I needed wisdom again. 
the next thing out of his mouth was, you're going to plant a church though, aren't you? And I said, yes, and couldn't stop it from coming out of my mouth. And from that moment on, my life changed again. And dear God, did I begin praying for wisdom. I don't know how to lead a group of people. I don't know how to lead a church. I need you, God. I I need you. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I can't do this. And so I sought out other church planners and pastors, started meeting with anybody and everybody I could to begin understanding how to do this. Ask them for their biggest mistakes. What's their greatest successes? Listen, learned, applied. Rinse, wash, repeat over and over again. To this day, I still seek out. You want to be wise? Spend time with wise people. You want to get wisdom? Fear God. Ask him for it. Hang out with wise people. Wisdom is better. It is better than any of the stuff in this world. Make your decisions and let your decisions make you. Don't be a fool. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding than silver? Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just speak to those that are following Christ first of all. Some of you are in a valley of decision right now. You need wisdom. Others of you would say, Aaron, I've made some foolish decisions, and I need wisdom to know how to fix it, to make it right. Don't worry about it. We all have. If you want to reject the wisdom of this world that you've been following and have wisdom from the heart of God today, would you just say, Aaron, that's me. That's me. Shoot your hand up, Aaron. That's me. I I need that wisdom. Yeah. 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 Yeah, thank you. Father, I pray right now that you would give us wisdom. Lord, you said all we had to do was ask. And you wouldn't fault us for it. You wouldn't make fun of us. You would just give it freely. So Lord, I pray right now that you would give us wisdom. Wisdom for our relationships. Wisdom for for on the job, Lord. Wisdom in our parenting, wisdom in, in being a spouse, to be a better one, wisdom as we serve in our church and our community. Lord, give us wisdom in all aspects of our lives, Lord. And Father, give us a passion that we would pursue wisdom all the days of our lives, Lord. And in that pursuit of wisdom, that means we will pursue you because you are the author of that wisdom. It is from you that all wisdom comes. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. Now, if you're here today and and you're not following Christ, I believe the reason that you're here today is to make the wisest decision you could ever make. (laughs) Because only fools would say they know it all. And we've all been fools in this place. We think we know what we need, but truly what we actually need most in our lives is a relationship with God. That's what's needed most. We make that connection with God through his son Jesus. See, the need for Jesus is simple. You and I are sinners. And our sin is horribly offensive to a pure and holy and righteous God. Payment needed to be made for our sin so that we could be made, be forgiven. We could be made right with God. And Jesus came. God sent his son to walk this earth, to die a brutal death because he didn't deserve it. He was perfect. 
He died on that cross and rose again in three days. And when he did, he made it so that you and I could be forgiven. That offense between God and us would be removed so that we could enter into relationship with him again. And today you have that opportunity to enter into relationship with him, to be made right, to be forgiven. And the only way to God and a relationship with him is through Jesus. It's in his name. If you're ready to make that step of faith, if you're ready to begin a relationship with God by declaring Jesus Lord of your life, by saying, hey, I'll do things your way from now on. I'll turn away from doing it my way. I'll commit my life to learning how I'm supposed to do it. If that's you and, and you're here today and you want to make the wisest decision you could ever make, every head is bowed, nobody's looking around, I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to know that you're here. Would you just shoot your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. Pray for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're watching by Periscope or listening on our podcast, I believe that if you want to make that decision and join us, that you can do the same right where you're at. I'm going to give you the words. Just pray them. You just got to mean it. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth. You lived a perfect, sinless life. That you died on the cross and rose from the dead in an act of love for me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Give me your Holy Spirit and show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Give me your wisdom. I reject the wisdom of this world. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.